attended a few events uh, in the past at uh, Faith Bible Church, and uh, he was one of those guys that people kept telling me, hey, we need to get Todd, we need to get Todd, and I'm like, who's this Todd character? Uh, and we had him, I'm like, yeah, we need to get Todd, we need to get him back as many times as we can. So uh, as we were thinking about a speaker for, for this, uh, this year's event, uh, he was the first one that came to mind. He's a very sought-after mobilizer and, and speaker, um, perspective speaker, speaker on missions in churches all around the region and really the country. Uh, he's a graduate of Northeastern State University, also Dallas Theological Seminary, and he has uh, recently completed his doctorate at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He founded a missionary organization called The Traveling Team uh, that sends groups of young adults all over the country uh, to speak to college students about God's heart for the world. Uh, he's translated that into another uh, organization called Mission Revolution that does the same thing in churches all over the country. He's the author of two books. I'll talk about these a little bit more um, at the close of our service today. Uh, these are available in the fireside room. Uh, also, he's, he's married to uh, Jessica. They have three kids, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, so Todd is a busy guy. Uh, and he's really been all over the world, spent some time ministering in the Middle East. Now he lives in northwest Arkansas. This is his first time ever in Enid. So uh, we need to be very, very uh, just welcoming and hospitable to Todd so he'll come back. But right now we've got a strike against us because our PowerPoint's not functioning, and I think he's upset with me. So uh, welcome Todd as he comes up to speak to us today. Good morning. I told Jay, I was like, man, I don't preach unless I have PowerPoint. And he's like, well, I don't know if it's working. So I said, okay, we're going to use what's called paper. Do you remember this? Remember this? It's so cool. Like, you don't have to worry about technologically anything. I mean, I guess spilling something on it. Remember this, though? This is epic invention. You know, I don't know how to plug it in, though, right? It's getting low on battery. Uh, born and raised in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and, um, you know, growing up, I, uh, I became a Christian in high school, and it was then that I thought, you know, what is it that Christians do because I want to be a good Christian, and I realized that all Christians did three things. They wore Christian t-shirts, and I wanted to go get some Christian t-shirts, they uh, listened to Christian music, Amy Grant, and so I went out and I bought Amy Grant. And um, they, they put one of those silverfish ichthus things on the back of their car. And so I put one on the front and back just so that I'd make sure I wouldn't get a ticket. And, um, and I didn't. I never got a ticket. And so uh, I, I go to college, and my dad had always taught me this. He was like, Todd. And I'm like, yes, Dad. He's like, there is nothing greater out there than being a third grade teacher. And I was like, really? He's like, no. They call you king of the halls. He's like, don't you want to be king of the hall? And I was like, yes, I do. He said, you'll make 32000 a year, which to a seven-year-old, that's a lot of money, you know? He said, if you marry a teacher, you're going to make sixty-four. I was like, wow. He's like, you'll never work a holiday. Every summer you'll have off. You can retire at 55, buy a Winnebago, and drive wherever you want. And I started to cry. I was like, that's what I want. I was like, that's amazing. 
And so I go to college, and my major's elementary education, and I'm walking across campus my freshman year of college, and this guy stops me. He says, what's your name? I said, Todd. He said, are you a Christian? I'm like... And uh, he says, well, man, I'm starting a Bible study. It meets at 630. Would you, would you be a part? And I was like, you know, I, 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 it's hard to say no to something spiritual when you're wearing a Christian t-shirt, right? So I was like, yes, I'll just grab dinner early. And he was like, no, the other 630. Did you know there's two 630s? <laughs> you know, I had no idea. Anyway. So I, 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 I go to the Bible study, and I'm thinking he's going to like, hey, open the Bible to Ephesians, and let's talk about us. You know, but instead he lays out this map of the world and he says, Todd, pick a country. We're going to pray for it. So I was like, I'll pick America. He's like, pick somewhere farther away. I said, Canada. He says, no, 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 pick somewhere really far away. So I looked down at the map of the world and the center country that I found in the map was Saudi Arabia. And so I just said, I'll pray for Saudi. He said, okay, go ahead. I have no idea what to say. He's like, well, just whatever comes out. Lord, have your way in Sade. I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. And so he says, come back next week and tell me how many Muslims, how many mosques, how many Christians, how many churches are in Saudi Arabia. For the next seven weeks, I start to study Saudi Arabia. And uh, I feel like God wanted me to move there. Posing a problem. Okay, I'm going to be a third grader in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Nowhere near Saudi. You can't even commute there. You know, it's like, and I was like, Lord, no, I, I'm following you. I listen to Christian music. I mean, what more do you want? Like, that's, that's in more than most of my friends do, you know? I, 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 have, I have Christian t-shirts. Like, what do you want me to do? And it was kind of in that moment that I felt like God kind of challenged me to be like, man, Todd, God, you know, I'm not interested in you looking the part, acting the part, and dressing the part. I'm not interested in you Christianizing your life. I'm interested in you crucifying your life. To say, man, no matter where, I would have you. But I think what happens, and this, this happens, and, 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 and it does, it does. Here's what happens. I think early on, I was like, Lord, I give you everything. Except my zip code. Like, I decide where I'm going to live. And then a few years later, I'm like, Lord, I told you I'd give you everything. Except my zip code of my daughter. But everything else you can have. Lord, I give you everything. Except my zip code, my daughter, and my son. Everything else is yours. Except my zip code, my daughter, my son, and my second son. But Lord, everything else is yours. I promise you. Except, you know, you can't have my zip code, my daughter, my son, and my son, and my savings. Everything else is yours. Everything, I promise. Except my zip code, my daughter, my son, my son, my savings, and my safety. And I promise you, Lord, everything else is yours. And we do that, don't we? And the older we get, the more we bargain. Right? I mean, we, the older we get, the more stuff we get, so the more we have to be like, well, no, Lord, now, yeah, you can have that. No, 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 no. And that's what happens. And that's the tension, I think, as we try to live a globally-minded life in Enid. You know, how do we live this, I want to pray for the world, reach out to the nations, give sacrificially, go, all the while in a kind of gated community called America. 
You know, and that's the struggle we have. We live in Arkansas, okay? In my neighborhood, one Filipino drove by once in 1986. Okay, we're not diverse, right? <laughs> uh, we invented Walmart, by the way. You're welcome. And, uh, you know, that's the challenge we have. And so when we look at the Bible, we go, okay, God, okay, now what's my role? Like, how do I factor in to your mission, you know? And we say, you know, the first, the first thing we got to do is this. The only mission... God can recruit you to is the one that he's on. And so we don't want to be about our mission. It's not like, oh, I'm out here doing this, doing this, doing this. No, we got to say, Lord, what are you doing from Genesis to the maps? And, and, and I want to just graph my life into that, okay? Because I've got this other story that I'm kind of wanting to tell, my story, but I don't want to do that. I want to tell your story. And it starts in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, the verse is on the screen. It says this. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. You know, hang on, hang on. I'm going to click the next one. That's a great one right there. Look at that. This is different, different. <laughs> I'm joking. Genesis chapter, that was funny though, wasn't it? I thought it was. But back there is like really changing though, so be careful. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1 says this. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. There's two people on the planet, as of Genesis 1, Adam and Eve, and God says to fill the earth. It's the first commandment. Fill the earth. I want you to populate physically, because this will mean you'll populate spiritually. As the waters cover the earth, so the knowledge of me. 70% of the planet's water. Imagine if you take that literally. Imagine 70% of the planet worshiping Christ. I mean, that's amazing. He says, as the waters cover the earth, so the knowledge of me. But in Genesis chapter 3, man sins. In Genesis chapter 6, it says, every thought of man is evil. Okay, and you're like, wow, that's page 5. Okay, this is depressing. Every thought of man is evil. God floods the earth in chapters 7 and 8. One family steps off the ark, and God says to Noah and his sons, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. It should sound something that he just said. He, he recommands them, fill the earth. In Genesis 9, verse 1, fill the earth, fill the earth, fill the earth. And so if you just picked up this from Barnes & Noble bookshelf, and you just sat down at a coffee shop, and you're like, I'm just going to read Genesis 1 through 10. And I'm just going to see what happens. By the time you get to Genesis 10, already humanity has sinned, spread out. The, the humanity has said, I won't spread out. I, I'm going to make a name for myself. And this is where Genesis chapter 11 picks up. Genesis chapter 11 says this. It says this. It says, come, let us... It says, now the whole earth had one language and a common speech. Okay, Genesis chapter 11, no matter where you went, there was only one language on the planet. Everybody only spoke English. And as men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, okay? So God has told them to fill the earth. But in Genesis chapter 11, it says, Now, now um, the whole earth had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar. And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. We're familiar with this story. It's the Tower of Babel. That we may make a name for ourselves. So God says, Fill the earth, fill the earth, fill the earth. And mankind says, No thanks. We want to make a name for ourselves. And this very famous Sunday school story, God comes down in Genesis chapter 11 and he touches their tongues and humanity separates. They scatter. And they actually scatter into 70 different languages. 70 different languages they scatter. And so God literally, he strikes their tongues and in Genesis chapter 11, this is where we get all the languages. This is where we get French, Mandarin, Spanish, rap. It all comes from right here in Genesis chapter 11. Okay, all the languages. Now, this is where a problem emerges, okay? 
I, I, we were at Leonardo's yesterday, all right? You never heard of it. It's this awesome, like, ch- children's science museum, you know, and um, you, you've heard of it. And, uh, and we're at Leonardo's, and I'm asking the lady. I'm like, oh, she sits out front of the little castle thing and makes sure kids don't leave with people who aren't their fa- family. You know, I'm like, you have a very important job. And uh, she's like, well, it gets boring. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I just sit here for an hour at the front gate and check people's ghost stamp. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what are you reading? And she's like, oh, Wolverines, vampires, novel. I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, she's reading this book. And, um, and I was asking her how the book is. And she's like, well, the plot's kind of boring. And, you know, no matter what book, I said all that just to say, no matter what book you read, okay, that was kind of a funny on-ramp to this story, but (laughs) he's taking long to do this. Um, No matter what book you read, whether it's a Wolverine, you know, vampire book or the Bible, it has three things. It has an introduction, it has a plot, and it has a conclusion. And the introduction is just to introduce the main characters and to create tension, okay, and then the plot solves the tension ultimately found in the conclusion. Genesis, this, this is not 66 separate books. This is one book. And just like the, the, the Wolverine vampire novel, just like any book, it has an introduction, a plot, and a conclusion. And the introduction, literally, right here in Genesis 11, is the end of the introduction. And, and the tension is set. It's like, man, there is tension. There is, we went from one language to 70 different languages. How is God going to reach these different languages? How is he going to set in motion his mission to reach people from all these languages? Because if you think about it, for me to reach one language takes about 14 years to translate scripture. Imagine doing that with 70. Today on planet Earth, there's 6,912 languages. 6,912. And so how is God going to reach these nations? And literally, Genesis chapter 12 is where the plot begins. In Genesis chapter 12, God will pick one man from the 70 nations, and his name is Abram. And he will say, Abram, leave. Genesis 12, verse 1 through 4. Probably the four most important passages in the Old Testament. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Abram, leave. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Okay? Leave. Get out. Now, if you get out, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. You'll be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. Do not forget that. The capstone of the Old Testament right here. Genesis 12, 1 through 4, where God looks down right after he separates the Tower of Babel. And he says, leave, get out, leave, Abram. And what you're going to see is Abraham moves out to bless all nations. The pro- it's called the Abrahamic Revolution, literally. Because what begins with Abraham goes to Isaac, his son, in Genesis 26, where he says, Isaac, guess what? I'm going to make your name great. You're going to be a blessing. Genesis 26, 4. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. And Isaac, through you, all nations on earth will be blessed. And then it goes to Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And two chapters later, Genesis 28, verse 4. 14, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, spread out to the west and the east and north and south. All peoples on earth will be blessed. And so what you see is, right after Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel, God commissions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bless all nations. And that will ricochet from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to David to the prophets to Jesus to the apostles of the church to us. 
But we have this missional God that set forth in Genesis chapter 12 to reach all nations. And so all these Old Testament stories that you grew up with or maybe are familiar with, they all have a missional purpose. For example, the Ten Commandments. You know, growing up, I thought, oh, the Ten Commandments is something you try to obey, and if you're good, you can get eight out of ten. But what I didn't realize was, listen to what God tells the nation of Israel after he gives them these commandments. Deuteronomy 4. I have taught you these decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. The nations are going to come to you, Israel, and they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to want to receive a blessing that I've promised, that I've given you, that, that I want you to give them. The prince of, you know, what about Pharaoh? Remember the cartoon, the prince of Egypt? You know, it's like, why did God want, why did God want Israel out of Egypt? You know, I, I, always, I always thought, I was like, oh, we don't like the Egyptians. But listen to what he says. Here's what he says in Exodus 9. I have raised you up for this very purpose, Pharaoh, that I might show you my power, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. I mean, it's like all these stories, Solomon and his wisdom, Right? Why did God give Solomon wisdom? It's like, oh, because he wanted him to be king, because he really wanted to give, you know, help lead a nation. But listen to this. In, in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. The whole world sought audience with Solomon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they come out of the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4 says this. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian pagan, says to the peoples nations, men of every language who live in all the world. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed. And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. I used, you know, I used to think this Bible, you know, if someone asked me to show them a missions passage, I'd be like, oh, there's one in Matthew. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. There's one verse on missions. There's one verse on snake handling. I don't do either. Instead of saying, wait a minute, every story we read comes back to that Genesis 12 promise to Abram that he's going to be a blessing to all nations. But what happens is when we, when we come to the Bible, we have this really me-centered idea, you know? And so I read the Bible if I'm feeling bad. If I'm feeling bad, I read Psalms. Really bad, I read Job. You know, and it's like, man, if I want to know about creation, I read Genesis 1, the end of time, Revelation. If I want to read about Jesus, I read Matthew. And that's kind of about it. And so, you know, when I open this book, I'm like, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh, yeah, where am I? I mean, look in your own Bible at what you highlight, underline, and star. It's probably promises to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how we work. And so I remember I was at, I was at this place called a Christian bookstore. Okay? You ever heard of those? And, and, and you can walk around the Christian bookstore and you can get some great things. You can get Christian plants. You can get Christian printers. You can get mints that help you memorize verses better. Uh, you can get Christian pictures, you know. And, and so I got this, uh, I, I got a, a Christian picture. I, I saw it and I was like, I told my wife, I said, Jess. I really want this Christian picture. And so she's like, okay, why? And I was like, well, look at it. And it was awesome. It had a stream. It had a, um, a tackle box. It had a fisherman. It had, a, it had the sun rising. And literally, underneath the picture, in 98 gold calligraphy, 
uh, it said this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I'd seen that verse my whole life. I'd seen it crocheted on tea towels and embroidered on bowling balls. You know, I mean, we've seen that passage. But I think what was unique about this passage was it had dot, dot, dot after. It said, be still and know that I'm God, dot, dot, dot. Now, 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 I'm I'm a third grade teacher, so I'm highly trained in the dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, dot means the second half doesn't apply to you. Don't worry about it. Focus on the first half. That's what we want to draw your attention to. We can't put a period because that would, in, that would, that would connotate into thought. We've got to be true to the passage. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put be still and know that I'm God dot dot dot. Don't look it up. Don't worry about it. Why is it even in the Bible? We don't know. And so I thought, man, how bad is the second half of Psalms 46.10? That it didn't make the picture. I'm like, what does it say that's so bad? Be still and know that I'm God. And Judas found a rope and hung himself. (laughs) You know, it's like, how bad is? And so I went to the Bible section and I looked it up. I looked up Psalm 46.10 and I found the second half. And here's what it says. I'll read it to you. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's the whole passage. I'd never heard it. The whole passage is, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted. I'd never heard the whole passage. Why? Because as a white, wealthy Westerner who lives in the gated community called America and goes to church, I'm taught and trained to focus on where am I? Where am I? Where am I? And I preach it. I buy shirts with it. I listen to music about it. I counsel people buy it. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Not, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Who would do that? And so I just literally took a year got a yellow highlighter and started highlighting all the Bible passages that talked about all peoples, nations, earth, tribes, tongues, and languages. And by the time I got through with it, it took two and a half highlighters. And so now when someone says, why are you moving your family to the Middle East? I say, why are you not? And then I slap them. And they weep. And then they go to the nations. And again, this is what you have. Isaiah 49.6 is too small a thing for you to be my servant or restore the tribes of Jacob. I will make you a light for the nations that you might bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jeremiah 16, O Lord, my strength, my fortress, to you the nations will come. And say, our fathers possess nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Zephaniah 2.11, the Lord will be awesome to them when he destroys the gods of the land, the nations, and every shore will bow to him, each one in their own land. Malachi Chapter 1, verse 11, my name will be great among the nations from the rising and the setting of the sun. In your name, pure incense and offerings we brought because your name is worthy among the nations. And it's like we could keep going, but we would go into verse coma. You know, it's like, wait a minute, he's just keep pounding with these mission verses. And they're all over. It's almost like, man, how did I miss it? You have to be intentional. You almost have to purposely miss it. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, I don't want to. No, no, no. no, no. You almost have to purposely miss it. A friend of mine, um, uh, he, he, he graduated. I'll tell you this story. He graduated from K-State, okay, Manhattan, Kansas. Anybody heard of Kansas? And uh, uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And he graduates from K-State University. And he was telling me this story like two weeks ago. His name's Andrew. He's like, Todd, I got to tell you this story. He's like, the funnest thing to do in college is road trip away games. He's like, I remember, you know, last semester when my buddy texted me and said, be out in 10. He's like, I knew what that meant. He meant be out front in 10 minutes. And so literally, I grabbed my stuff, packed it in a bag, and we drove 10 hours from Manhattan, Kansas to Dallas, Texas to watch K-State play. And if we win that, we were on track to go to a major bowl game. And he's like, man, there were six guys in the car. Six guys in the car. Six guys in the car. We get to Dallas. We, we hop out of the stadium. We hop out of the car. My friend pops the trunk, and he throws six cans of purple wall paint at our feet. And he says, suit up. Literally, we're like, are you kidding me? We could die of skin poisoning, but we knew it was worth it. And so we literally, we suited up. And he said, he's like, here I am in a, pur- in a purple Speedo with purple paint all over my body. And he said, Todd, guess what the six of us wrote on our chest? Hi, Mom. ESPN, hi. I mean, what, what did you write? He said, we wrote the word family. Because at K-State... The football stadium is called Family Stadium. You're not a student. You're part of a family. And he said, third quarter, we're losing by 42. I'm at an away game dressed in purple, okay? And I'm banging the, st- I'm banging the seat. I'm yelling at the refs. I'm, we're losing. I'm embarrassed. And the the, 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 the football, the, he's like, I'm in desperate need of exercise and the football team's in desperate need of rest, but I can't get in the game. I can't get in the game because I got purple paint and wearing a Speedo. I can't get in the game. I'm in the family, but I'm not in the game. And I was like, Andrew, you just summed up Western Christianity. We're in the family of God. We got it on our chest. We got it on our hearts. Involved in the game? No thanks, Lord. No thanks. And so what ha- happens is you have hundreds of thousands of believers in this country who are a part of the family of God, but they want nothing to do with involvement in what he's doing. And so we want the blessing of salvation, but we refuse the responsibility of engaging the nations, both here and abroad. And I think literally that's why Jesus, over and over again, gives the Great Commission. You know, I was always taught that the Great Commission is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And if you don't believe me, the heading of your Bible says the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So that kind of seals the deal, right? It's like, oh, this is the Great Commission, you know, Matthew 28. What I didn't realize is that there's not one Great Commission text, but there's five. There's five. The first Great Commission text says this. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the first Great Commission text. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the first Great Commission text. And it commands us to go make disciples. That's a depth issue. Don't make converts. Don't make new Christians. Just just make disciples. The second Great Commission text is found in Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. And this is not about depth. This is about breadth. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Get the news out as fast and as far as you can. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the second Great Commission text. The third Great Commission text is found in Luke 24, 46 through 48, which says, This is written. It will happen. Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. Repentance and forgiveness of his sins will be preached in my name to all nations. That's the third Great Commission text. The fourth Great Commission text is in John 20, 21, where Jesus in John says over and over again 40 different times, as the Father sent me, so send I you. As the Father sent me, so send I you. He says it in John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so send I you. What that means is if you're a believer with a pulse, the question is not, am I sent, but to where? And the fifth Great Commission text, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 46 through 48, John 20, 21, Acts 1, 8. You will, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, some area, and to the ends of the earth. Five commissioning texts. Why five? Why five? Why not one really important one? And I think it's because Jesus knows our heart. He knows our tendency to be a part of the family but not in the game. He knows we're content to kind of be sidelined. And he doesn't doesn't let us off the hook. I love what, what Paul the Apostle says in Romans 15, verse 20. Romans 15, 20, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. And so here you have the one book, the introduction, the first 11 chapters, Genesis 1 through 11. The plot, Genesis chapter 12, beginning with Abram, and, and where God sends forth Abram. The mission of God hits motion. It goes all the way through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, and the conclusion is found in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation 5, 9 is the conclusion. One book, one plot, one conclusion. Here's the conclusion. It says this, And they sang a song, saying, You are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. From every tribe, language, people, and nation. Now, I know everyone in here is really busy. But this afternoon, starting at 4, we're going to come back and we're going to have two sessions on what God's doing globally and how you can play a part. And I just want to personally invite you back to say, man, can you give two hours tonight on behalf of the world to just take a peek into what God's doing globally? You know, um, when I first met my wife, Jessica, I wanted to take her to a spot that really determined whether or not you were to get married. I took her to Starbucks. And so here we are, here we are at Starbucks. And uh, I ordered first because I was a spiritual leader. And I said to her, I said, uh, I said to the lady, I, I, I always order the same thing. Venti, non-fat, no foam, sugar-free hazelnut latte, room temperature, double cup with no lid. Okay, that's just, it's $7. That's just what I get. And, um, and so, uh, 
I said, Jess, you order next, you know, and she's like, what's a grandy? And I was like, what? And she's like, I've never been to Starbucks. And I was like, what? How is that possible? She's like, I just, I don't like coffee. I was like, what? She ordered a water. And, um, and we go and we sit down. And I remember looking at her in her eyes and I said, Jessica, coffee drinkers date coffee drinkers. Smokers date smokers. It just works that way. And so she said, okay. And so I said, if you want this relationship to work, you've got to come towards me. So the next time we went back, the next time we went back, I ordered a, uh, the same. And she ordered a hot chocolate, which I was like, hey, that's getting somewhere. You know, that's cool. And then the next time we go, she orders a half hot chocolate, half coffee. The next time we go, she orders a coffee with 17 sweet and lows. The next time we go, she orders a coffee with one sweet and low. And I remember the day she looked at me and she said, Todd, are you going to Starbucks? And I said, yes. And she said, bring me a venti black. And I'm like, you reign, Lord. You reign. And really, God can do anything. You know, that showed me. He can move mountains, you know. And uh, it was just a big deal to me, you know. I was like, wow, God, you are real. And, um, and so I, I remember going, you know, uh, you know, the more we fell in love, the more Jessica fell in love with the things that I loved, right? And I did the same with her. I mean, before we met, she didn't have the coffee app on her iPhone. She didn't know where the Starbucks was. But now she's like, a, you know, she's got it all. And, and I did the same with her. The more I fell in love with, with her, the more I'm like, wow. When I, you know, when I got married, I thought Bed Bath & Beyond was a hotel, you know. Uh, now I'm on Pinterest. I mean, weird things happen. When you fall in love with someone, you fall in love with the things that they love. And so all that to say, maybe you're in here this morning and you're like, man, God, I know you have a heart for the world. It's just I don't. When I pray for Haiti, I don't cry. When I see Mission Sunday, I want to skip that week, and, 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 you know. But, but he has a heart for the world. Is that a big enough reason to make it your heart? To say, Lord, I want you to put in me a heart that cares. That's more than just about my mission, but that's about your mission. Because the only mission you can recruit me to is the mission that you're on. And Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we want to engage your world. Allow us a heart that beats for the things that your heart beats for. In your name. All right, let me encourage you as well to come back at 4. We'll have a, um, a supper uh, around 5 o'clock after the first talk is complete, and then after supper we'll have one more talk. Uh, I've heard some discussion about, you know, 4 o'clock. That kind of eats into the nap time, that kind of thing. Um, and I don't think it means like your kid's nap time. I think they're talking about your nap time. Uh, so maybe get that out of the way early.